Good morning, everyone. Time to begin our worship service this morning. <clears throat> if you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you. Invite you back this evening at 6 o'clock. And uh, I know with 26th Street, a uh, few members are with us this morning. They have some water problems in the building. And so we just uh, pray that all that goes well for you. And we're thankful that you're here with us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone, 2023. If you had anything that you wanted to get done in 2022, it's too late. You've messed it about 10 and a half hours. But the good news is, 2023, you have 365 days left to get it done. So, And Pam says I'm a procrastinator and and it might take me 364, right? Yeah. But uh, we're excited about the, about the new year. Uh, we're thankful, first of all, that everyone's here to worship God the first day, 2023. That's something I think we can all uh, be proud to say if someone asks you, what would you do New Year's Day? Tell them you went to worship your God. That's a good thing to do. Also, uh, we have, in 2022, we've uh, went over and established new life groups. We've had uh, baptisms. We've had uh, numerous families uh, become a part of this congregation, place membership. So we've got a lot going on in 2022, and uh, we, just, uh, we just pray that... Uh, Everyone here can get involved in that and be a, be a part of that. Last night, ball game. High State fans, very disappointed, no doubt. But, <laughs> well, yeah, Michigan fans was too. But I was watching at the end of that game, and, and I looked and and I saw that poster, John 3.16, and they were talking to the coaches. And, and when I saw that, the person was just hanging that. And, and I thought, that put a smile to my face just to see that amongst all that and for someone holding that sign, John 3.16. And, and that's about believing, God loving, God loving us, and, and whosoever believes in him. And, and they interviewed the coach, and, the, and they said, how did you all come back and win this game? How did you do that? And he said, because our players believed. They said they believed that they could win this, and they didn't quit. And the figures was in the first half, Georgia only led that game 55 seconds, the whole first half. And in the second half, they led the game 54 seconds. But they still won that game because they didn't quit. They persevered. They believed. And I think we can learn from that. We can learn from that game. We can learn as Christians that we're going to have our ups and downs. But if we finish the game, finish the race like Paul tells us to do, we're going to win. We're going to win, and we're going to do that. We're going to finish because we believe. 
Uh, our faith was never meant to be just a private experience. God blessed us so that we can bless others. This year's theme is on evangelism. And I want to read a few things about everyday evangelism. It says, let Christ's love shine through the way that you treat others. Sacrificial love is attractive. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray specifically for those in your sphere of influence. Cultivate relationships with unbelievers. Embrace the opportunities you have to build everyday relationships. Share your own story. Be willing to share what you are learning from God's word and how he is shaping you. Encourage faith exploration. Doubt can often be a path to faith. And I like this. It says, be honest about your struggles. It is important for people to understand that Christians are not perfect and they need Jesus too. Be a friend through life's ups and downs, preserving with someone, persevering with someone through challenges shows them Jesus. Remember that persuasion is God's job, not ours. We are just to be faithful with sowing the seeds. Evangelism, our theme for 2023, and I know Chris is going to be speaking on evangelism a lot this year. And I just want to encourage a congregation to get involved with, with your groups, anything that you can do in 2023. Let's, uh, let's build the church up here at Rome by all working together. Bow with me as we pray. Father, we thank you for this time that, that we can gather here this morning. Father, we're thankful for the brothers and sisters that are here, that uh, we have the same belief, that we believe in you. We believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. Father, we pray that you will help us all to, to strive together to strengthen this congregation. We pray, Father, for this uh, new year coming up. 2023 that uh, that we will all do our part that uh, we're all are different members many members and all of us working together can do so much father we uh, pray that you'll be with us as we worship you this morning we pray father that uh, that you will uh, bless chris Help him to have a remembrance of the things that, that he studied and help us, Father, to, to be good listeners. And Father, as we move on uh, this year, we're mindful uh, of those, Father, who, who are sick. We're mindful for all those that we prayed for in our Bible classes and, and those who are in our uh, journal. And, and Father, they'll be mentioned uh, later on in this service, and we just, we just pray for them. And and our shut-ins, and, and Father, for those who's lost uh, members uh, in this past year, Father, we pray that uh, you'll bless them, 
and give us all strength, Father, to encourage each other. We thank you, Father, for your son and the hope that we have in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand and we'll sing our first song, number 226. 226, How Great Thou Art.
seated. Our next song is on the overhead only. It's the greatest commands. Greatest commands. After this, Steve Wallace will have our reading and prayer.
Good morning. Our scripture reading for this morning will be from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 12. John, chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Would you pray with me, please? Dear God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're thankful, Lord, for another day of life, and we're grateful for this time that we've, we had to gather together with our fellow brothers and sisters. We're thankful, Lord, for the visitors that you've brought our way this morning. We thank you, God, for the many spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, as we look back over the past year, we want to thank you for all the many blessings that you've brought into our lives. We thank you for being with us during those difficult times. We pray, Lord, as we enter into this new year that you would give us strength to do your will. Lord, we pray for the church here at Rome and the church, church all, over, all over this world. We pray that uh, this new year we would be able to proclaim that gospel of truth. We pray that we would be able to love one another. Lord, we're mindful of those that are on the prayer list for this week and those that uh, are not able to be with us today. We pray for their strength and pray that uh, you would bless and encourage them and uh, we pray for their healing according to your will. Lord, we thank you again for this time that we have together, this uh, assembly to worship you and we pray that uh, the things that we do here this morning will bring honor and praise to your name. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next song is number 950. 950, Lamb of God.
Do you remember the first time that you took communion? Right after you were baptized the first Sunday after that, how anxious you were? If you were young like a, a lot of us were when we were baptized, it was amazing just to be able to experience that. The enthusiasm with which I looked forward to that has kind of deteriorated. This is the first opportunity of communion for us this year. Let's remember the firsts. The first things are important. God is first. Our love to him is first. Our service to Jesus is first. As we partake of the emblems, I've got just some thoughts I want us to con consider. How can we better commune like we did the first time can we recall that and do it again and can we do it again next week and the next week what's the reason for the service why do we do this it's written right there he didn't beg us he said do this in remembrance of me that's why remember your anticipation your attitude the mindset that you had how do we keep up that attitude that thought process do this in remembrance of me See, it's not about me at all. It's all about him. I'm not here to entertain you or you to be entertained. We're here to remember him. That's why we have communion. Do you remember the first time that you couldn't take communion? I do vividly I was on an airplane going to the service scared to death and nervous and mom had packed communion in my luggage and the luggage was in the belly of the plane and Sunday night became Monday morning before the plane landed And I thought, oh, man, what am I going to do? I missed something that meant so much to me that I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. And then for a while, a couple of years, I was unable to partake because of where I was. 
but the first time back, the ability to partake of the communion was a joy and a blessing. Let's enter into the communion service with the same anticipation and desire, the desire to fellowship with Jesus and with each other as we remember him. Let us partake eagerly because we don't ever want to miss the opportunity to do this again in this life. Let us remember his command. Do this in remembrance of me. I have one scripture to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? We are sharing with Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, for the love that you had for us, Father, for the opportunity for us to gather here together today and to partake of these emblems which represent his body and his blood. Father, as we partake of this bread, bless us as we remember his death on the cross and the suffering that he went through. In his name we pray, amen.
bow with me, please. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we come before your throne, before this table, to partake of the fruit of the vine that represents the blood of your son. Father, that shed blood has changed us and made us capable to be called your child. Father, we appreciate his sacrifice so much. Bless each of us as we partake of this cup and we would remember the shed blood of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've concluded the First Communion. Hopefully, you have benefited by the thoughts. Hopefully, we have fellowshiped with Jesus and with each other. We have the opportunity, as the ushers are on the floor, to give of our means to support the work of the church here. 
It's the duty of every Christian that's here. It is our responsibility that this work goes on. We need to do it with appreciation for what we have because he's given us all. Let me give you an example of what giving is. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 15 and 16. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. And that means not only do we speak it, we sing it, we live it, we show it. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Is he pleased with your sacrifice? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for, again, the opportunity to be here. You've done so much for us and blessed us in so many ways. And Father, you've blessed us with another year. Thank you so much. We pray that as we give, the monies will be used to spread your word and your influence in our community and in our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, let's stand. We'll sing our next song, number 834. 834. Salvation has been brought down. This time the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Jesus gave his life a ransom young on Calvary.
Good to see each one of you with us this morning. As Gary mentioned, we are starting a, uh, a year full of evangelism. I want to think through the book of Acts this year. So if you've got your Bibles, flip over to the book of Acts, chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend our, our time this morning. Um, from 1989 to 1998, Michael Jordan was unstoppable. I don't know how, much, how many of you follow sports, but you don't really have to follow sports so much to know that Michael Jordan was a phenom from 1989 to 1998. Now, in uh, the 88 season, the off-season of 88, um, he had been struggling a little bit uh, because the Bulls had been losing to the Pistons for like the last three or so years. The Pistons had just been steamrolling them. And so Michael Jordan took that upon himself to try to change some of that stuff. He bulked up. He added 15 pounds of muscle and upped his three-point percentage by 10%. The next year, they steamrolled the Pistons. And he became unstoppable, leading the Bulls to two three-peat seasons, right? So from 1989 to 1998, he's unstoppable. And today we're talking about unstoppable, how the church was and is unstoppable. Jordan wasn't really unstoppable though, was he? If you followed his career, he's a phenom, uh, arguably the greatest player that has ever set foot on the court, but he was stoppable. In fact, um, Reggie Miller got in his head one game. Michael Jordan was known as the king of trash talk, right? And he was always calm, full, and collected. And he was the one talking in your ear, trying to get you to mess up and trying to make you mad. Reggie Miller got in his head on one game and they actually got in a fist fight, and it cost Jordan $10,000. He was ejected from the game, suspended from the next game. He was stoppable. Reggie Miller took him out of the game. Several people were able to do things like that to even Michael Jordan. He was stoppable, though he didn't seem like it. In 2004, if you follow baseball, you know Barry Bonds' season that year. Um, he was unstoppable. At least it seemed like that. He was intentionally walked 120 times. 120, that's kind of a number for, for those of us that follow baseball, intentionally walked 120 times. The next player down, like the number two player that was walked the most times after Barry Bonds, was walked something like 20 times. He was walked 120 times that season. 41 of those times was no one else was on base. They intentionally put a base runner on so that they didn't have to pitch to Barry Bonds. 
Essentially, he was walked one time every game. Intentionally walked one time every game. That's because in 2001, he broke the home run record for that year. Uh, and just con continued doing that from 2002 to 2003 to 2004, putting up 45 home runs, even in 2004 when the pitchers had refused to pitch to him. He was unstoppable, or was he? Uh, the Braves, my, my favorite team. I grew up in, in the South, so my, my team was, is, is the Braves. Uh, but the, the Braves starting lineup of pitchers uh, between Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz were able to strike him out 16 times apiece for uh, Smoltz and Maddox and then 11 times for Smoltz, or for Glavin across his time period. Um, he was not unstoppable. There were people that struck him out, pitchers that struck him out, people, uh, pitchers that held him to, uh, to just a base hit. He was not unstoppable. But let me talk to you about something that is unstoppable. Jesus' church is unstoppable. Nobody can stop it. Nothing can come up against it. Nothing can throw a wrench into Jesus' mission for the church. It is unstoppable. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16... Verses 16 through 18, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And he's at a background where there's uh, idols all, all built into the hillside. That people would come here for pagan worship. And so he's standing against that hillside. And he says, who do people say that I am? And so they, they have some suggestions. And then he says, well, who do, who do you think I am? And Jesus, uh, Peter says, well, I think you're the Christ. Jesus says, yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I'm going to build my church on this statement that you've said that I am the Christ. I'm going to build my church on that statement. And you remember what he says next? The gates of hell are never going to be able to prevail against it. Not even hell in all its power, not even hell in all its strength are going to be able to come against or be able to stop the mission of the church. The church is unstoppable. You are unstoppable. If you go back through and you look at the church in Acts, it is unstoppable in fabulous fashion. You remember, of course, Satan turning Judas to betray Christ, right? Satan tried to take one of Jesus' own and pit him against Jesus. The mission continued. Even when Jesus is crucified, not even death can stop his mission. Not even death can stop him. Nothing stops him. He is unstoppable. In Acts 4 and 5, you'll find um, the account of the church banding together through uh, famine and through lack of monetary uh, financial security. They don't, they don't have any money, but the church comes together because it is unstoppable. In Acts 12, you'll find uh, a ruler named Herod. He tries to kill. He tries to stop the mission of the church by killing one of the apostles. Not even death can stop the mission of the church, though. When Jesus leaves earth in Acts chapter 1, that won't stop the mission. In fact, it makes the mission easier to accomplish. We'll talk about that uh, throughout the rest of our, our lesson. Acts is broken down into Two main sections, Acts 1 through 12 and Acts 13 through 28. 
Acts 1 through 12 focuses on Peter. Acts 13 through 28 focuses on, on Paul. But as Peter fades, you know what happens to the mission in Acts 13? It just continues right on. It's not dependent on Peter. You know why? Because the mission's not about Peter. It's about God. You can't stop him. He's unstoppable. You can't slow him down. You can't hurt him. His mission will continue. Unabated. In Acts 28, as Paul is in prison in Rome, do you know what's happening to Jesus' mission? It's flourishing. But the apostle that has been preaching to the Gentiles, the apostle that uh, from, from the book of Acts has taken the gospel to all ends of the earth, that apostle is now restrained, is confined in prison. But you know what happens to Jesus' mission? It just flourishes. It continues to thrive because the mission's not about Paul. It's about Jesus, and you can't stop him. You can't put him in prison. You can't stop him. He is unstoppable. The Jews throughout the book of Acts tried to stop Jesus' mission. They stoned Paul. They, they tried to uh, refute the church. They tried to throw roadblocks in the way. But you know what happens? The mission flourishes. It just continues. The Roman authorities try to stamp out this newfound religion. But you know what happens? The mission spreads and it just continues to flourish. You can't stop the church. You can't stop Jesus' mission. He is unstoppable. That's what we're going to be talking about this week or this year through the book of Acts. How he is, how this mission is, how you are, how we are unstoppable. If we get behind his mission, we are unstoppable. Let me show you something from Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There are four questions that you may not see, but they're there in this verse. The very first question is, who? The questions have, the, the questions, the disciples, the apostles have a question. Who's going to do this thing? Or are you going to do this, Jesus? Because we can't even grasp what you're capable of at this point. We thought that you were going to do this, that you were going to restore the kingdom during your ministry. And we had all these great hopes because you were doing things that were just phenomenal. You were healing the lame. You were bringing sight to the blind. You were casting out uh, demons. You were doing things that no one has been able to do. But then they killed you. But now you're alive again. And we don't, we, we can't even wrap our minds around what's cap what you're capable of now. We think, they thought, that he was going to lead a revolution of Israel against Rome. And they were going to kick the Romans out of Israel. And finally that was going to happen. Now they thought it was going to happen before his death. But it's now certainly not even Rome can stop him. He'll just walk up to Caesar and Caesar will vanish or something. What like What's, capable, what's he capable of? I have no idea. But whatever he wants will happen. You can't even kill him. Now he's immortal. You can't even kill him. You cannot stop him. And so the disciples have a question. Who's going to do this thing? We think it's you. Because what can't 
you do. You can do anything and everything. We believe it's you. The focus is on Jesus. You can, you can do this thing. If you can't do it, who, who can? And you can do all things. So certainly you can do this thing. So are you going to do it now? That's the next question. When? We know that you're going to do it, but when is that going to happen? Is it happening right now? Certainly certainly right now, right? You're not going to wait five or ten years or a hundred years or, or however long. Certainly this thing is going to happen right now. You're, you're going to restore the kingdom now, right? Like do we need, to, we need to go get our armor and we need to start gathering an army now? Or can we wait till tomorrow? Or, or how's that going to, is it happening now? That's their second question. So we got who, we got when. We've also got what? What are you, what are you going to do, Jesus? They say, are you going to restore the kingdom? And that's what they mean. Are you going to take us back to the time of incredible prosperity and fame that we had under David and under Solomon? When money was like, when, when silver and gold were like rocks lying around on the ground, that's how prosperous Israel was during this time period under David and Solomon. Are you going to take us back to that time period when the world recognized us and we inspired them? When they, when they were afraid of us? When no one dared to come against our military? Are you going to take us back to that point? When we were the people of God? When revolution had swept through Israel thanks to David and Solomon's leadership early on in his days? Are you taking us back to that point? Because we're far away from that now. We need a leader who can take us back to that moment in history. Are you going to be the one that does that right now? Is that what you're going to do? You see their questions, right? Who, what, or who, when, and what? And their final question is where? Where's this thing going to happen? Is it going to, certainly it's going to happen in Israel, right? You're going to restore the kingdom back to Israel. I don't care. The apostles wouldn't care if this thing happened anywhere else, if this happens in Asia Minor or any of the other, if it happens in Macedon or Greece or where any of the other territories in the first century world, they don't care. They want this to happen in Israel. Is this thing going to happen in Israel? Is it going to happen to us? Is it going to happen to God's people? What's so interesting is he flips it on them. Check out what he does. In verse 7, he says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons, but that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He says, don't, don't worry about this stuff. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He flips it on them. Watch what he does in verse 8. Remember, they thought it was going to be him. Certainly, you are going to restore the kingdom at this time. He says, no, no. It's not me. It's you. You're going to restore the kingdom. He flips it on them. Isn't that interesting? Because this is a responsibility that's been given to us as well. You. In Acts 28, or excuse me, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he gives us a command. Go into what? All the world. And you're supposed to do what? Preach the gospel. And baptize those people and teach them again all that I've commanded you. Mark 16, 15 and 16. What's he say there? 
Something very similar, right? Your responsibility, our responsibility is to go out into all the world and to teach them because they don't know that they're in sin and they need a Savior. But we do. And we know His name and we know His plan. We know His power. They need to know that too. He says, this is your responsibility. But the power doesn't come from you and it didn't come from them either. It came from the Holy Spirit, right? And so when is the next question? He's talked about who. It wasn't him. The verse that Stephen read for you this morning from, from John 14 where he talks about greater works that we will do than even Jesus was able to do. What's he possibly mean by that? That verse, that, that ought to stick in your mind. As you read through that verse, you think, what, what are you talking about here? How are we going to do greater things than, than you did? He's not talking about um, quality so much as he's talking about quantity. You're going to have this responsibility for the next 2,000 years and here we are. And if he allow, allows the world to live another 2,000 or 10,000, this responsibility will not go away. It is ours. He's given it to us, the church. What a precious responsibility this is. That's what we're talking about tonight. What a precious responsibility this is. But the power's not with us, and it wasn't in the disciples either. He says the power comes from the Spirit. He's going to... Come to them in Jerusalem. When Jesus leaves earth, he promises to send the Spirit to the apostles. And he's going to bring to the remembrance all the things that Jesus said and did during his three years with them. But he's also going to give them power. This word, power, that he uses here is dynamos. It's the word we get our word dynamite from, right? You, you hear that in the word dynamos, dynamite. It's, it's our word for dynamite. And so this incredible, unimaginable power is going to be at the apostles' disposal. Incidentally, it's at yours as well. We don't, we don't have the Holy Spirit in this miraculous sense any, any longer. But the rest of the New Testament assures us that he lives inside of each and every one of us. This power is still ours. Not in the miraculous sense, of course, but he lives within each other. He dwells, right? Such a beautiful thought, such a beautiful term. He dwells inside of each one of us, providing the power to live the life that we've called, been called to live and, the, and to accept and to, to go through with the mission that we've been given. And so when will that happen? Well, it's going to happen in Jerusalem. It's going to, it's going to come soon. The next question he answers is their, their what question. Remember, they thought that, they were, that he was going to restore the kingdom. He says, no, no, I'm not restoring the kingdom. You are. You're bringing all this back to culmination. The kingdom is going to be built through your words. It's really Jesus' words, but we're saying them. He says, you're the vessel that I've chosen to use that's going to build this kingdom of mine. He uses the word witnesses here. You're going to evangelize this world. By the time Acts ends in Acts 28, 
That's happened. Isn't that phenomenal? It, it, it takes about 30 years, one generation, for the apostles and the first century church to evangelize the known world. By Acts 28, Paul's found himself in Rome and he's still evangelizing. And so the ends of the earth that Jesus has talked about here has happened. The gospel has made its way all the way to Rome, all the way to the end of the world, and, and all the way to the end of the earth in one generation. Every generation has the same responsibility. Our generation has the exact same responsibility to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Maybe we start right here, not in Jerusalem, but in Proctorville. But we go all the way to the ends of the earth. Every generation has that responsibility. We have a load of work to do. Like Jesus would say in Matthew 9, the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are so few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Send more workers into his harvest, right? That's what we're looking for. That's what we're focused on this year is being witnesses for him, for evangelizing this world. And so where's it going to go? It's not just confined to Israel anymore. They're not his people anymore, not necessarily his people anymore. If they've come into Christ, if they've gotten into Christ, then they're his people just like we are, right? But it's not confined to Israel anymore. Now he's, he's got a bigger dream. He's got, he wants everybody. He always has. That's what he wants. He wants everybody to come to him. And it's our responsibility to tell them. He's given us the power. He's given us the message. And he's given us the mission. And it is unstoppable. We need to go. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, and it's time to get to work. This morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, that's the very first step that you need to take so that your sins can be washed away. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning. You're struggling, and you need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. If you have any need today, why don't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill a visitor card and place it in one of the black boxes in the back, we'd love to have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Um, we have a lot going on uh, starting the new year. Um, out in the foyer table, there is um, a yearly Bible reading. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be done every week. It's week one. Um, but uh, take a moment. I challenge you this year to spend time with the, as a family reading God's Word. Take 15 to 20 minutes. This is, this is how this is set up. Take 15 to 20 minutes as a family to read God's Word. You'll get to know each other more. You'll get to grow spiritually together. Um, and you'll be amazed how your kids grow and, and even yourself spiritually. So please... Uh, they're out in the foyer table, but it'll be, it'll be a new one every single week um, out there for you on that. Um, also, this Wednesday at 530 is Stepping Stones Dinner. Uh, please come to that. Uh, that helps uh, fund our mission trips. Um, baked steak is on the menu for this Wednesday, and there's also an elders meeting at 515. Um, so if you have any uh, questions or concerns that need to, bring, uh, need to be brought to the elders, please do that uh, before Sunday. Also, if you think you are the master of cooking chili, there is a contest uh, cook-off on chili cook-off on January 21st. It's Saturday at 1 o'clock. Everyone is encouraged to come to it. Uh, please come. Um, even if you didn't bring a pot of chili, come anyway. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of chili for everybody, but what a great opportunity and uh uh, time to fellowship with one another and um, enjoy a nice warm meal together. So I'm sure it may be cold. It may be snow. Who knows? But uh, uh, please come uh, to a chili cook-off. That's January 21st at 1 o'clock. Also, if you're in Life Group 1, that's Rick Keister's Life Group, um, you'll be meeting next Sunday on January 8th after services. Um, please bring uh, soup or sandwiches. Uh, to the life group meeting. Uh, that's uh, life group one, and if you're not sure what life group you're in, there's uh, sheets out in the foyer table to grab. Let's uh, find out which life group you're in. Updates are on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Clinton Galloway in your prayers. Um, he's still sick and under the weather. Um, pray that he recovers soon, that he can come back and worship with us soon. Also, remember, continue to keep Terry Leap, that's Gary's brother, in your prayers as he deals with his cancer. Uh, remember to continue to pray for Darla Lyons' uh, family at this time. Also, uh, Jennifer Baker is now at home, but remember to continue to keep her in your prayers as she undergoes her cancer treatments and, um, and the rest of the Baker family. Also, keep Amber Spitzer in your, uh, in your prayers as well. She's going through cancer at this time as well. And uh, Michael Miller is the great-nephew of Sherry Ward, um, he's having, Michael's having liver issues, so keep uh, Michael in your daily prayers as well. And um, also, uh, pray for the Stevens family. Uh, Demis Stevens' daughter, Allison West, passed away uh, last week, so keep uh, that family in your uh, prayers. Uh, their address is in the bulletin, so if you'd like to send a card of encouragement, I know the family would greatly appreciate that, so please take the opportunity to do that. 
And also remember continue to keep the ones that are traveling uh, this holiday week. And uh, that's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. If you would, let's stand. We'll sing our final song, A Mansion, Robe, and Crown. It's on the overhead only. Mansion, Robe, and Crown. I'm gonna drink my energy on board pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this great day and this great year that you've given to us, Lord. Please bless this next year upcoming that we can evangelize and spread your word to as many people as we can, and we can deepen our understanding of you, Lord. Uh, please be with all of those who are on the sick list and in need of our prayers, Lord, who have lost loved ones. Um, we just know that you are great, Lord, and you'll keep us together and Help us to have a good year. Please help us to have a safe trip home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.